Module 3, Preventing Conflict in Short-Term Missions by Mark Woodward. The best time to prevent conflict on a short-term mission trip is before you go. Let's admit that it's very difficult to put a team together. Jesus picked 12, and they argued with each other over who would be the greatest. Paul put a team together, but John Mark bailed out on him, and not only did his unappreciated actions cause problems on that trip, but on the next trip with Uncle Barnabas as well. Short-term missions who have no serious form of either selection or approval are irresponsible. Too often, a public announcement is made, volunteers come forward, a couple of meetings later, everyone heads to the airport and gets on a plane. You will find that most serious problems that occur on short-term missions have a strong chance of servicing before the mission ever begins. People who are always late are also tardy to meetings. It won't be different on the mission trip. People who don't volunteer for any of the preliminary tasks, people who are happy to let others raise their money for them, people who are flirty and or seem to be along because they are interested in one of the others who is going, and people who don't seem to be on the same page with everyone else. You can identify all of these kinds of people ahead of time. All you have to do is require training, require fundraising, ask the hard questions before you get on the plane. If you meet together often enough and pay attention to the interactions of potential team members, you learn a lot about them. Unless the coordinator is too busy trying to just present information. Do something with your team. Plan a picnic or a volleyball game or something that requires the group to interact, to depend on each other, and you'll see a lot. People who cannot raise their funds may be people that those who know them best don't think it's a good idea for them to go. Our missions agency asks all of its participants to fundraise, even when they can write a check and pay their own way, because it is truly a test of humility as well as a test of faith. Asking people to do something that they don't really want to do is a good filtering process for eventual team members. If there are any red flags, it must be someone's responsibility to approach the person in question and talk to them lovingly but honestly. John, it doesn't seem to us like you really have your heart in this mission. Is there anything we need to talk about? Because otherwise, you may want to wait for the next opportunity when you can really put your whole heart into it. Amy and David, I notice you guys are kind of a couple. Is this going to be a distraction on our mission trip? Can I tell you about some things that just would really do a lot of damage on the trip? I know these conversations are not easy, but let me assure you, no, let me persuade you that they are a hundred times easier before the trip than in the middle of the trip after your mission and the testimony of your team has been damaged. Not every hint of potential conflict surfaces before mission trips. Often, just the pressure of a foreign culture creates new tensions that were unpredictable. When that happens, however, the steps for resolving conflict are pretty straightforward and they are highly effective. You will recognize them from your own conflict resolution practices. Address any conflict or emerging conflict immediately. Don't let the sun go down on it. By confronting it immediately, you prevent damage and the people involved are likely still redeemable. If you allow it to grow big, then the resulting damage is larger and people's defensiveness proportionately greater.
Use pre-established priorities that the whole group has heard and internalized in their training to resolve issues. At my admissions agency, we say, the work comes first, the team comes second, and you come last. And that is the matrix we use for solving any conflict, whether organizational, personal, or in the group. Speak the truth in love. If people know that you love them, you can be much more direct and much more truthful with them in hard times. If the testimony of the mission project is at stake, act swiftly and decisively to restore the holiness of the project, whatever that takes. In our 34 years, I think we have put only three or four people on airplanes home early, but in each case, it was because of severe moral failures, sexual misconduct, or serious breach of trust. In each case, they were back in the States within 24 hours of our discovery of the situation. One of the first memory verses I ever learned was, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Matthew 5, 9. This was my sweet mom's attempt to teach me how to get along with my brothers and sisters. It took me a long time to learn that being a peacemaker was an active task, not a passive one. Neither avoiding conflict nor pretending like it doesn't exist is being a, a peacemaker. Christians on mission, whether it's long-term, short-term, or just life, all of us will be happier if we are peacemakers, active, decisive, but mostly loving peacemakers. A note from Pastor Bill. A good thing for you to know as an incoming GO Team leader is how seriously we take the team participant application process. The first step is the long questionnaire form that each person must answer. After the person has officially applied, we then contact their rooted leader, small group leader, ministry leader, or previous mission trip leader and ask them to answer the following questions. One, is this person someone that you looked forward to seeing each week at your rooted group meetings? Two, did this person contribute and bring unity to your rooted group? Or did they tend to create unnecessary drama in the group? Three, do you think a Parkview mission trip would be a great next step in this person's spiritual journey? Four, do you know of any red flags in your interaction with this person or things you learned about in their story that you think might become a problem on a seven to 10 day international mission trip with a team of people? We are not asking for any details about information that you learned in confidence, just a yes, I could see some challenges or no, I think they'd be great response. If a person applies that has not been on a previous trip, a part of Rooted, in a small group, or serving in a ministry, then we schedule a one-on-one -on -one interview with them. We take all of these steps in advance to create the healthiest and most cohesive team possible. We don't do this to exclude people. We do it to protect them and the team. As every one of you knows, when you get to your country of serving, everything changes. It looks different. It smells different. They speak a different language. They eat different foods. You are traveling on little sleep. During the trip, you may be sleeping in uncomfortable conditions. You are now an outsider in a different culture. All of these factors combine to create a crucible for a very physically and emotionally challenging week. Whatever challenges a person may have at home, it is multiplied 10 times in an international setting. 
It is our job to identify these possible challenging situations in advance and make the best decision we can to determine if it's in the best interest of the individual and the team to have that person be a part of the trip. A distracting or even harmful team member could do damage to the mission of the team, to relationships on the team, to the relationships between Parkview and our global partners, and even between Parkview and the host country. We will still make mistakes in the process, but we will do the best that we can to make you as the team leader successful. Questions to think about. One, pre-trip meetings and the team events are very important. List some things that you can learn about people at these advanced events that could be very useful when you reach your country of service. Two, how has God used the fundraising process for you to increase your faith? Three, what are some pre-trip events that you could do besides informational meetings that could help build team strength and unity? Number four, review together the practices above for dealing with conflict on the field. It is not a matter of if it will happen, it will happen. If you can be prepared for it, it will lead to the healthiest resolution possible. Always know that we choose you for a reason. As the chosen team leader, we will support and back whatever decision you make. If there is any collateral damage, we will take the lead of dealing with that when you get back. Love Always Seeks the Best by Seth Dunn. People will always perceive conflict in different ways. Some avoid it at all costs, while others seemingly do things to create it. Some, some see conflict as healthy. Others never see anything good about it. This I do know. See it as you may, conflict does occur on mission trips. As a leader, it's not a matter of will we need to help navigate our team through conflict, but rather how we will do so. As I think about conflict resolution on mission trips, it occurs to me that most conflict comes from a few main areas. Personal wounds, physical stress on a mission trip, self-focus and a perceived need for creature comforts, the intensity of being with a group of people for the duration of the trip, our own internal conflict or possibly external conflict during the trip. The number one tool as we navigate conflict among our team is love. Not to be cliche, but love is the number one ingredient to coming to a healthy end to conflict. Love seeks the best for all involved desires a genuine solution, and is patient in the process. For example, love is willing to see a person's area of wounding and seek out a way for them to grow in the process. This is not to say that we go soft on the process, but we do seek out the steps a person seems to be ready to take. This is love in action. So how do we act in love as we navigate conflict with the mission team? Ask lots of questions. Genuinely listen to the answers. Protect individuals' worth. For example, only involve those who need to be involved. Don't make things a bigger deal than they need to be. Be honest and firm in a way that maintains dignity. Look out for the team's best interest, particularly when you have a team member who is simply not interested in a mature solution to the conflict. Sometimes love will separate the individual for the best of the whole. Don't take things personally, particularly if the conflict is being directed at you as the leader. A few
few more practical tips. Your host can often be a significant help. Ask them for advice, ideas, and input. Don't forget, you always have a Parkview Mission staff member on call. Sometimes it can really help to call or text them for input, ideas, and prayer. Take care of yourself. Get proper sleep, food, water, and devotional time. This will help you be ready to deal with sometimes challenging conflict. Above all, know that conflict will come because you are leading people. As a leader, take it in stride, apply love, and rest in God's grace, his ability working through you. You will do great. Questions to think about. One, do you crave conflict? Do you hate conflict? Or somewhere in between? Two, which of these tips is the most difficult for you to apply? Number three, as you open a conversation with a person who may have created some problems, what are some questions that you can ask to gather good information and understand the situation. Four, when dealing with people in conflict, who do you really need to involve in the conversation? Who do you not need to involve? Number five, what might it look like to lead first in love when dealing with conflict on the mission, mission field? Give specific examples.